I can see clearly now. Oh, hello there. What are you doing? Oh, you're back to get the answers on how to parent. Right. I cut you off in the middle of the last episode. Or we recorded an extremely long episode that I decided was really two episodes and I just split it where I arbitrarily felt was a good place. Well, don't worry. We solved parenting for you. I know it's been a struggle for millennia, but all we really needed was two brothers with beards to sit down and talk. And we fixed it. Parenting is solved. Parenting is solved. But you won't know everything that we have to bestow upon you, everything that we have to impart until you're able to listen to this episode. So before we can get to this episode, I have to tell you about our sponsor because you see, this is actually how we came to the epiphany that we had that allowed us to solve parenting. And it's called Strike Force Energy. You can kick the can. You don't need those cans, those traditional cans that cost you $3 a pop at the store. If that, you don't need those anymore. They're big, they're bulky, they have a lot of sugar and all kinds of great stuff in them. Asperitame, you don't you don't need that anymore. Because now there's a, a little tiny pouch that will give you the energy to do whatever it is you need to do. And, I mean, obviously, it makes us geniuses. But, like... When you have a child, they're demanding. They take your time. They take your energy. They're wonderful little gifts from heaven, but they're also awful when it comes to your energy levels. Staying up late, being sleep deprived with the little ones, being stressed out with teenagers, waiting up all night for them to get home from their date that you're hoping doesn't result in a grandchild. You need something to clarify your head and so that you can prudently go forward. I mean, you owe it to yourself. You owe it to humanity to do a good job parenting. And you can't do that if you're foggy-headed and tired and defeated. But with Strikeforce Energy, you get a little pouch of energy that you can put into whatever drink you want. Kombucha, wheatgrass tea, alcohol, whatever your choice beverage is, you can put this in there. And it's going to clarify everything for you. It's going to wake you up, give you the energy you need to pursue your life in the proper manner. It's going to give you the answers because your brain is going to be firing on all cylinders without having to lug around a bag full of cans. You don't need to be dependent on those anymore. And the crash after the sugar, you don't need that anymore. So go to StrikeForceEnergy.com. You have four flavors, lemon, orange, original, and my favorite, personally, Make America Grape Again. It's a fantastic low-energy pouch. It's made by uh, veterans. It's delicious. Go to StrikeForceEnergy.com and use the promo code BLUEYEMAFIA and you will get 20% off of your purchases. And you will also be supporting the podcast, which, I mean, obviously, we solve parenting for you. What more do you want from us? This is, I mean, we're, 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 we're going to fix everything, I think, or nothing. I don't know. <clears throat> but anyways, go to StrikeForceEnergy.com, use the promo code BLUEYEMAFIA. And you will get 20% off, and you will have the energy to live your life right. Also, before I let you get the podcast, shout out to Sofa King Podcast, our friends. Check them out. They do conspiracy theories and historical figures, cults. They're awesome. They're entertaining. Probably more entertaining than us. I say that begrudgingly. Anyways, without further ado, here is the third part of Parenting. And that's a huge part the religion played throughout history, regardless of the religion, regardless of the culture, that's always been its function, is it 
sets up the standards that say, don't do this, don't do that. You can't do this. This is how you live your life. Uh-huh. And of course, people violate that. <clears throat> but it gives you a metric by which society but can can operate and can stay somewhat put together. Without that, you have nothing. And now we're descending, we're devolving into nothing. We're devolving into a state of absolute anarchy. Because family doesn't matter. You can have any family structure that you want. It's okay if it makes you feel good. But what about the kids? Single mother homes. They're difficult. They're harder. Because it's only one parent. Yeah. That just because you it makes you feel good doesn't mean that it's good. Exactly. Now, can you, when, what's, it, can you make it work? Yes. I'm not saying that a single mom can't when do When amazing, amazing people job. have come from broken homes. Look at Ben Carson. But the other thing is also is that most of the time people are saying, I don't need this. I can do it myself. I don't need a husband or I don't need a best or I don't. They're usually complete liars because their lives aren't happy. No. They're very no. usually overworked, underpaid in a sense, and just unhappy overall because they're just always going. And they want to pretend like they're happy, which isn't, that makes them even more unhappy. Why? Because nobody understands what they're going through. But nobody understands what they're going through because all they do is sit there and tell everybody how great their lives are and how they don't need this and that. Well, when you reject... As a society, but then on an individual level, because that's where it's bleeding yeah. down, right? If you're a person who's rejected the societal standards, the structures, yes. the order of the fam- the traditional family, if you're rejecting a family, man and a woman, kids, if you're rejecting the way that it works because you don't want to do that, you want to do it your way, then you have to. You are dedicated Forcing yourself to lie to yourself, to deceive yourself that you are happy in your current state, even if it's an absolute clusterfuck, even if it's an absolute morass of despair, you have to go, I'm happy because I'm doing it the way I want. Yeah. Because we put the subjective above the objective. We've put people's feelings above reality. And that, the, who are the victims of that? Children. They're the biggest victims of our current culture of absolute relativism, of postmodernism. We don't, these patriarch, these, all these social constructs aren't really important and they're not real. Well, they are real because they've existed in all of human history and they are the reason that societies and countries and empires have existed and have flourished. It's all because of that. And then if you look throughout history, when the family starts to fail, when the social order starts to fail, and responsibility is um, replaced by banal interests, by self-interest, by pleasure-seeking, by instant gratification or any kind of gratification, when you no longer serve as a soldier in Rome, because now you have barbarians who did that, and we're going to go to the games, and we're going to have sex in the park in front of everybody. Uh-huh. Next thing you know, well, the next culture that has that structure, that has that order, that has that discipline, that has that hunger and that fire to build, to grow, takes over. It's a natural cycle. Uh-huh. But why would we sit here at this point in culture, at this point in 
in society in this point of development and decide, yeah, that seems good enough for us. We should do the same thing. That's brilliant. That, that, that didn't work out ever in history before when we try to replace these things and destroy these foundational elements. But sure, let's try it now because it feels good. It feels good. And what's the worst part is that becomes a lie. Uh-huh. If you're a single mother working a minimum wage job with three kids and the dad's out of the picture, you're an empowered woman in our culture today. But are you? How happy are you? How fulfilling is your life? I'm not saying that you can't be happy because that's well, yeah, something you can obviously. bring to the table. But wouldn't life be better if you had somebody to share the burden with? Wouldn't it be better for the kids if you, if when you were at work or he was at work or she was at work, however it works out, you had somebody there for them? You had somebody to take half of the load? You had somebody to, I don't know, talk to about the problems that your kids are having, <laughs> the struggles that they're having. Uh-huh. You had somebody to help with the homework yep. and the house cleaning and the work work and the mom work was the hardest of all. That's depleting. Well, once again, too, you don't want to go, oh, well, the teacher helps with that or, oh, the tutor helps with that. Oh, or, oh, they, they do it at, at, at they, no, kids need not the tutor or the teacher to instruct them on certain things. It has to be the parent. Yeah. So even something like homework, like you taking the time out of your day to sit down and go, okay, go, let's go over this. And that one-on-one with for 10 minutes is necessary. If that's 10 times more valuable than an hour with a teacher. Because once again, a teacher to a child is just a teacher. It doesn't matter how long they're around them or how much they help. Yeah. With certain things, certain things a child needs from a parent or a guardian. It cannot come from that teacher. Even in your mind, if you're like, well, the teacher took care of it, why would I take care of it? Well, it's a basic biological <clears throat> need. They look to you. You're their, you're their spawner. Yeah, exactly. You're the one that created them and they know that. Yep. And creation is a very fundamental, primordial thing. Like you don't just get created and go, hey, thanks, bro. I- I'm out. I'm out. I'm out now. That was it. That's all I needed from you. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely a lot harder to raise your kids and do it well if you have no order in your life. Then how can you give them order and structure? How can you give them the things that they need? Look at a football team. If you have a football team, right? In te- say in Texas, where or, high, no, high school or, football or is super we'll go, competitive. We'll go with even, well, let's go with something better. The Caval- Cleveland Cavaliers, look at them. How well, often do, I know, but listen. You usurp my thing. How often do the people go, oh, look at LeBron. He's took over coaching for the team, right? Because he doesn't really listen to Tyron oh, Lue, their coach. Okay. That's actually really good. And he's always kind of in charge. He's always telling everybody what to do. Yeah, he's like a spoiled child. But. With an overindulgent parent. But and they go okay, fine, fine, because you're loud and obnoxious. But guess what happens? They don't win like they should be able to. They, their players don't play like they should. He does. He plays great. So what? One guy can't win everything, especially when it comes to sports. Yeah. You have to have a team. And if you have one child thinking that he's some kind of coach that he's not, n- no good comes of it. Yeah. 
it goes to shit. And everybody's like, I don't get it. They should, we expected them to do well, so much better this year. I mean, it, that was actually a perfect analogy because that's where I was going to go. If you have a team with no coach and the players are the ones making the decision, they're going to go out and they could kill it in practice. They could be tons yeah. of talent. Okay. And then they go out and they, maybe they run a couple plays at work. And then the other team just starts running over them. They're going, damn. Oh, what do we do? Oh, I don't know. I, I got hit this last play and my head's a little cloudy still. The coach stands or on the I don't know. I don't know because I don't, I'm not, I'm not coaching. I'm a player. I'm supposed to make well, plays. What I was going to say is their objective is to play the game, is to do the on-field work. Yes. But the coach stands on the sideline and observes. And he goes, oh, that cornerback isn't covering. He's he's getting 20 yards. Let's do a five-yard cut and then run a post, which is a five-yard cut. So instead of running straight at the guy that's standing way far back, he's going to cut right into the side. And the ball, nobody's going to be near him. Mm-hmm. He's going to get the ball real easy. But the players... Maybe they don't see that. They don't see that. Well, They're busy. Not, not only that, though, but if that one player sees it, right? He goes, hey, hey, quarterback. This, he's, he's giving me a lot of room. Quarterback's like, uh, okay, run this play. Say, Hail Mary. <laughs> you, you don't have the order. You don't have the structure. Mm-hmm. The quarterback's going, I don't remember which play puts you in the right place. So let's do this one. Mm-hmm. Maybe it'll work. Or I don't really think... I don't really think you know what you're talking about. I don't really think Joe talks into his mic ever. (laughs) Uh, Joe's throwing a tantrum now. And chewing candy. Uh, No, I... Go ahead. Well, also, you... When players are coaching themselves, what else do they want to do? They want to be the star. Yes. Like LeBron James. So what's that quarterback do? Hey, I'm open. Throw it to me. No. I I want to throw it downfield. That's going to be way more flashy. Everybody's going to yeah. think I'm the star. So I want to throw it to Bobby over here, who's, I think he's getting open. Boom, next play, interception. Yeah. Well, Why? Because no one was coaching. Yeah, Kids nobody. were deciding on their own. And, and NBA players that are adults in their 30s have make millions of dollars a year. Can't coach themselves. They need some little guy on the sidelines to tell them, hey, do this. Hey, do that. Oh, I'm putting this player in because he's going to address this issue that we're having. Well, what I was going to say is that when you take a sport like a fo- like football or you take a basketball, they have a structure. It's innate. The game is designed a certain way. It's meant to be played a certain way. And your job is to work within those confines yes. in the most efficient manner, possibly to get the most points. So it has a natural structure. It has a natural order to it. Mm-hmm. And if you introduce your team in a manner that doesn't have a way to address that, uh-huh. that doesn't understand the system, that doesn't understand the functions it's supposed to play, then it's going to be a shit show. And that's how I was going to roll that back into family, is that there is an order to it. There is an order to how people become well-developed adults. And yeah, there's anomalies. There's people that have a terrible situation that overcome all of it. But there's a good chance they had some good influences in their life. Like Ben Carson, for example. Single-parent family. His mom worked two or three jobs. She was never home. 
But how did she? How did she deal with that? How did she cope with that? She couldn't even read, but the boys would come home, and she would make them read. Instead of going and playing, instead of playing video games or watching the television, they had certain things they had to do above and beyond just the regular schoolwork. And then she would take their papers that they wrote. She couldn't read. She couldn't read a word they wrote. She had no idea what the page said. And she would mark it up and say, do better. She'd go, <laughs> and she just put random marks on it. And they'd be like, damn, I thought that was good. But what it did was it gave them an expectation. It gave them something to strive for because they wanted to meet those goals. And it worked out fabulously. So that's an example of even when it's not an ideal situation. And again, when I talk about the traditional family and that and that structure, there's tons of terrible families that have that structure. Yes. But it simply makes it, it's the Oh yeah, it's definitely form- not. Um- it's the easiest format to succeed in. Well, the easiest format and the most statistically it's going to work the best. Yeah. It's not worth – if you go, well, no, I think I can make it work this way, well, you're already going to lose. Because if you have to think I can make it work this way because you got something special, what are you telling everybody? I think I know better than everyone else, and I'm so smart and great at this, Yeah, which means you're going to fail. Well, Ben Carson's mom didn't choose to be in that situation. No. She had a very – hard life and she embraced it she was she was realistic in the way she approached she said i have a tough situation i have to work more than i should have ever had to work and i have to put everything that i have into it all the time i don't get breaks i don't get to relax and i don't get to enjoy this isn't about feeling good this is about doing the right thing and at the end of the day i think that that's that supersedes a lot of things. Or, I mean, that supersedes everything. Doing the right thing is what the goal is as a parent. Yes. And that's what you're trying to get to. And now that we solve parenting for the most part, I think what we should talk about is some of the specifics. Like, what advice would you give somebody? No, not generic <laughs> advice. Hold on. Let me, let me boil this down. So, in particular, there are certain th- certain things that people disagree on, femininely, like punishment. And as you're going through those different age groups, obviously, you're going to punish in very different manners. But in punishing your children and in in dealing out, I'm listening. Discipline. <laughs> I had a total brain freeze. I was like, I don't know what word I was looking for. The lobster. <laughs> Just always go the back lobster, to Jordan Peterson. He's back. He's been on an hour. No. Um, what I was going to say is in disciplining your children. What do you think that... Oh, wow. Did TV just go on somewhere? Or is Joe looking at... Instagram again. No, it's TV, bro. It's bro. It's, it's a TV, eh? Bro, it's TV, bro. It's yeah, fucking... Fu- it's fucking Russians, bro. It's, holy cow, dude. What? The Makita Palm Sander. I don't care. On a 5.0 battery, 45 minutes. That's impressive. It's five year, a five-year-old tool. Runs on one battery for 45 minutes. Milwaukee's 26 minutes. 
That's Im- that's impressive. I know, right? That's what I was thinking. <sighs> well, and now into tool time with Tim Taylor. Um, no. Um, what I was going to say, so in, in disciplining your children, in, in bringing down the hammer, it's hammer time. What do you think the most effective ways are? And let's go by age group. So you have your zero to four, your four to 11, and your 11 to 20 or 18, 11 to 18. Since the arbitrary age for an adult is 18. Magically, you are a fully formed person at that point, apparently. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. And folks, that is how you discipline a child. You look at them with a stern look appropriate for the situation and say, uh huh. <laughs> uh huh. Sorry. That was my Are you p- I'm not sure. Tr- I didn't mean to. The thing freaked out. The thing freaked out. Yeah, you press the screen. You... Marbled mouth. With um, <clears throat> just a, just a quick clip notes. Okay, 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 okay. Essentially, this is coming down. To okay, spanking. you're talking about is discipline good or bad, and what type of discipline? Yes. Discipline good, yes. What types of discipline? Strict discipline. Strict discipline. Yeah. Do you I mean, do you have any torture racks or anything that you have No Rob, like let's a- not let's not make this a joke. This is very serious. Okay. Chinese torture finger things? No, bro. Chinese finger no. torture. Is that cultural appropriation keep, if I put that on my kids' fingers? No, you, okay. So the way to very good discipline. You <laughs> you know freezer for garage? If you're a Russian, you know freezer for garage. If you're a Russian, freezer for garage. Freezer for yes. You know what I'm speaking. Yes, you put you put the freezer in garage to keep to keep you know like cookers cold. No, no, you put child in freezer for two minutes every time they're bad. Okay, Mm. now they will not. Is this like cryotherapy for little people? Yes, but no socks on their feet, so it hurts very badly. Do they stick to inside the freezer, though? Is that ever Only a problem? Only if they have sweaty feet. <laughs> <laughs> do you but, take? Okay, okay. Do you take? Okay. Do you take okay. vodka in hooker out of freezer first, or <sighs> do you put child in just depends on how long they've been dead. <laughs> 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 I get the giggles. I got the giggles. The really? child or the hooker? Hooker. The, uh, I'm so confused now. This seems like very extreme torture. Even <laughs> you know what? Child. You should Photoshop. You should Photoshop a Yeti cooler with a kid in it, and be like, <laughs> "Fuck the NRA." <laughs> Let's get back to basics on disciplining the youth of America. <laughs> oh, oh, uh, that that's gonna be the episode art. <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> uh, what was I gonna say? No, yes, discipline's good. Um, I would say 
the the, well, the main well, types of discipline that should be used are honestly a something that's <laughs> no. I'm being serious right now. I know it I, would be. It would I was, be I, in my head. I was like shotgun with rock salt. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, we're joking. We're not actually advising this. If anybody listens to this and then puts their kid in the freezer <laughs> with the shotgun, just, yeah. you just don't deserve to breathe. And I, neither I, do they, obviously. <laughs> no, not the kid, the person. Look, listen, that whole segment was a joke. Obviously, we were doing weird Chinese-Russian accents. Obviously, we don't endorse putting children in freezers. That's insane. No, so no, seriously though, seriously, yeah. with the discipline, I would say that a strict type of discipline, but it also has to be something you're comfortable with where you're not, no, where you can, where you can do it con, uh, constantly in a, in the proper way where you're not kind of going out of your comfort zone. So you're not following through with it on a regular basis, right? Yeah. So you don't want to be like, oh, I read this online and this is the best way to discipline. And then two weeks later, you don't do it anymore. So your kid's like, okay, well, that doesn't make sense. Why the fuck? Because kids will also pick up on that. Yeah. If you're well, not consistent, if you're constantly saying, Billy, if you do that again, I'm taking away your toy. And then, Billy, if you do that, Billy, 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 after a week, Billy is like, yeah, this dumb cunt thinks that she's going to take away my toy. That's all she ever says. Never once happened. But look what I found. I found her toy. <laughs> but, so... That would be consistency, and they don't and, know you just held up a phone. <laughs> that no, I was like just something. reading the phone. That sounded like something different. <laughs> no, so I would say, I would say, consistency well, and somewhat strict discipline. So, as long as, as your discipline doesn't have to be crazy strict, like you don't have to spank, you don't have to do who's crazy, but it has to be consistent. And fo- really followed through with. Yes. Because if you don't, are not consistent and don't follow through, that's where kids learn, oh, I don't have to actually take this seriously. This yeah. is a joke. I don't need to worry about getting in trouble. I don't need to worry about my toys being taken away. I don't- especially in the, we're talking more like in the formative years when they're younger too, in particular. Bro. You're yeah. still part of the conversation. Why did Keep you move? I w- no, I thought you were talking more. No, no. That's all I was going to say is in the formative years. That I, yes, yes, I want to yes. talk about two different times. Formative, so baby to 11, and yes. then we'll talk about... Yeah, formative teenager. is what I was talking about. Yeah. So when they're little... And I, I like, I, I've read a bunch of different studies on spanking in particular, and beating your child is not okay. Inflicting damage and being violent with them is idiotic. And vile and definitely counterproductive. It doesn't create order. But a little spanking, which is the oldest form of reprimand for a child, is perfectly acceptable. I've never had to use it because my children are angels. But, you know, and the studies, some studies say it's bad and it creates trauma. And other studies say that's bullshit and that their stats they used and the studies used were all terrible. So there's a lot of different perspectives. But I think what you said is good. The other thing, too, is you have to tailor it to the child because each kid has a different personality. And that goes back to nurturing them and paying attention to them and learning who your little person is and and helping them grow because some kids taking their toy away is going to work. Other kids are going to be like, 
I will go eat rocks. I don't give a shit if you take away my Power Ranger. So that kid, well, taking away his toy doesn't work. So what is going to be the effective method of burning this toy on the barbecue? No, because that kid doesn't care. He's like, I'm (laughs) fine. I'm going to burn down your barbecue, bitch. You see what I'm saying, though, is that it's going to be, you have to tailor it to the child. Because, like, my, my two boys are totally different. Like, they, they don't respond the same to the, like, taking away a toy from one and making one sit in the corner are very, like, one doesn't care about the corner. He's like, ah, I'll sit over here and have, be with my thoughts. Okay. World domination is e- easier to plan in peace. The other one's like, I can't run around. What? It's the end of the world, right? So you have to, you have to tailor it. You, it has to be nurturing. And a little, like in the store or something, when you're with a, a kid and they're being bad, grabbing them by the arm and telling them to stop it and being firm is fine. It's not the end of the world. Don't sit there and be like, please stop, please stop. You have to be firm. Yeah. That's one thing. Yeah. Consistent, firm, Other kids, not excessive. even being at the yep. store isn't work. So you find a, you know, a caution slippery floor and you just, Push them. Watch them slip. Again. You know, they'll learn. Joe jokes. Well, you don't want to be Adrian Peterson. Well, you take a tree branch and beat your four-year-old with it or whatever it was. It's, it's too I, much. Think I'll, I think I'll be Adrian Peterson. <laughs> He's rich. Well, that's true. Didn't really do much to him. But at the end of the day, it's... it's One who fucking knows with that. His wife could have... I mean, his baby mom yeah, could have done that. that and I, fucking, I'm not... I, I should, I I know should say you, what was presented in the media. You don't You don't want to be leaving marks on your kid and doing stuff like that. That's insane. And you don't want to be sitting there spanking them every day, every time they do anything you don't like. That's insane, too. That's that. That goes back to the tyrannical parent, right? You have your overindulgent pacifist parent. You have your tyrannical parent. You, you've got to find the balance. You have to be firm fair, measured, and do things that you know will motivate your child. You know, you want to be positive with them too, so you have to reward their good behavior. So they, when they do something good, don't just go, oh, good job, pat on the head. No, engage them. Enjoy it with them. Partake of the experience. And then when they're bad, you have to be there in the same manner. You have to engage with them. Partake of the experience. It's not going to be as pleasant but you have to be able to correct them. And then I think when we get into the teenage years, really the formative years lead to that. Because in teenage years, I don't know what punishments work. I think that, again, goes to really, truly being in tune with your child. And if in the formative years, you you understand who your child is. Surprise. What, you understand what your child is and who they are and what they respond to. When they get to their teenage years, you already have the metric for how to deal with them, how to accommodate their good and their bad, how how to curtail those bad behaviors. You're going to have a template for that if you've been there nurturing them the whole time and you know them. If you don't, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, wow, now I'm paying attention to my kid and whoa, I don't know what to do. Good luck with that. Take away their car, take away their phone. But that's just going to breed resentment at the end of the day. I mean, at times, yeah, that's the appropriate. Well, and it, well it depends on the crime if you, you could say well, they've committed should, as a child. Yeah, well, so what I should say is if you've been unattentive and absent in their formative years, 
when they get to their teenage years, any form of rebuke is going to be met with resentment. But if you've been there and you've been nurturing and you've been attentive throughout their childhood, throughout their life, then they're going to understand the your rapport. They're going to understand the way that you work together. They're going to understand how how your how your relationship works and they're going to appreciate when you're when you're happy with them and they're going to also appreciate not resent when they get in trouble because they're going to realize oh i i crossed this boundary i did this i i violated this i violated the standard i did something bad and i have now been reproached for it and yeah, there's going to be some resentment, but the, that deep-seated resentment that's the only response from a, a, a maladjusted child versus a well-nourished child or well-adjusted child, um, you're going to have a much better result if the formative has been good. Hold on, Joe's saying he he's miming that he needs to get. He has crabs. <laughs> <laughs> I need to wash them off. No, bitch, I need to get a shower because I'm itchy. Oh, well, and then I guess in those teenage years, yeah, like I said, if if you if you've been attentive and you have done a good job in the formative years, it's gonna be a lot easier. Yes, and but and a you hey, and it will be hard when oh, your kids. Easy, yeah. No, no, no. When your kids, when you have to take something away from your kid as a teenager, or discipline them, but they will probably react poorly to it at first. But they'll understand it after about an hour. Versus, if you've done a poor job, they won't get it for two days, a or week, twelve years. Yeah, they'll hold a resentment. Yeah. No matter what, because to them it doesn't make fucking any sense. Yeah. If you've done a good job, they'll go, this is bullshit. And then a little while later, be like, hey, mom, dad, I want to tell you I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. You guys are right. You know, I understand why I'm in trouble. Well, not just that, but those reprimands will be a lot easier to do if you've done a good job. If you've done it all of their life, uh-huh. it's going to be a lot easier for you as a parent to go, no. Because yeah. you know how to say no to them. And you yes. know it works. And you know how they react. Yeah. You're going to have all that information. So it really starts from day one. This You're building a child. You're helping them grow. But you can't suffocate them, and you can't just let them go wild, because neither one of those works. If you throw a tarp over your lawn, it's not going to grow either. Mm-hmm. You can't throw a yeah. tarp over it. Oh, yeah, protect it from everything. <laughs> yeah, including what it needs to grow. So... <sighs> it's definitely difficult though. Parenting is not an easy task. It's a daunting and terrifying proposition. But so is everything in life when you really get down to it. Like I was thinking about this the other day. People always say, Oh my God, how do you take care of so many kids? It's so stressful. It's so hard. All right, I'm done. I know. I'm trying to think of what it was. Joe had a mind fart. He lost his chain of thought. Well, I was thinking really, about something. Other, what was I issue. thinking about the other day? Um, America. I I I don't know. I forgot. Well, I was talking about covering the grass with a tarp. I know, and not letting it grow. 
And you said, "Yeah, I was thinking about this the other day." And then I had to take. I know. I you. I can't. I can't recall right now. It's not. Um. It was obviously unimportant. <laughs> no, but just back to. I mean, just overall in parenting. Oh, oh, I was thinking about how people go. Oh, it's so difficult being a parent. How do you do it? How do you? But people. But because people keep it in such a negative mindset all the time, like it's such a difficult thing to... Okay, so imagine you wake up, you take care of your kids, right? Yeah. They're not that difficult. No, they're more difficult than a puppy. Yeah. Right? You, you feed them, you make sure everything's good, you keep the house cleaned up, you keep things clean, you keep things in safe places so kids don't hurt themselves. But we are willing at any point in time in the day... For any reason, to go get a new pair of shoes, to go get an ice cream, to go do whatever, jump into a 5,000-pound vehicle that can go 100 miles per hour down a road towards other vehicles that are the same size or bigger, yes. going the same speed. We never think twice about it. Why? Why don't we stress out every time we get in our car thinking, geez, if I speed and I hit a and my tire goes pop, pops, totally possible. Yeah. And I fucking go out of control and I hit somebody on the freeway, I could be dead. I could be dead at any point in time in this next 30-minute drive. And then I have to drive back home 30 fucking minutes. Oh, my gosh. And what if somebody jumps out in front of me? And I can't, oh, my. You could literally sit there and stress all day about having Everything. to drive. Yeah. No, about driving. Something oh, as simple yeah. as driving. Because you're taking Which a is- giant vehicle that could kill multiple people just by sheer weight of the thing and yeah. willing to drive it 75 miles down the freeway and go faster than that if you need to because you're running two minutes behind yeah. or you want to get there. And, and we don't think twice. We literally don't even remotely think about that. But why? It's just simply a mindset. Yeah. So if you have kids... And you go, it's not hard taking care of kids. They're just kids. Are they annoying sometimes? Sure. But so are cars because you have to stop and get gas or because you get stuck in traffic or because you have to fix a flat or you have to go get it tuned up because it's, you know, overheated. So yeah, they, they can be a fucking annoying too. But at the end of the day, if I don't overthink the car and what it can do, then I get in and I drive it. Yeah. If I don't overthink the kid, it's not that fucking hard to get up every day, feed the little shithead some breakfast, go to the park with them, do whatever, let them play in the backyard of the fucking dirt because they're kids and they don't give a fuck. So it's it's pretty fucking easy is my point if we had the right mindset. So many people have the wrong mindset and they're yeah. programmed to think, oh, kid, oh, that's too difficult. That's so hard. Oh, it's, it's impossible. Practically. But they'll have four dogs and two cats and three cars and a mortgage and yeah, nothing twice, twice about yeah. any of that stuff that stuff's all easy no big deal but the kid oh that's just over the top I can't do that it's gonna ruin my marriage no you're letting it the car should ruin your marriage yeah. every time your husband gets in his car you should go I can't you can't leave could you dead. could die you yeah. could and statistically guess what's more likely to happen you to die in a car crash than pretty much anything else in this country yeah besides obesity <laughs> <laughs> which your car helps you get that way half the time anyways. Yeah. But that's what's crazy is if you overthink that, if you sat there and contemplated what the car could do every night before you go to bed. You'd be a you, paranoid mess. Yes, you would freak yeah. out. And you would literally, somebody's like, oh yeah, I went to work today. Oh my God, you got in a car? You had to drive? How far is work? Oh, 45. Oh my gosh. Did you get in traffic? 
Oh my, oh, the on-ramps and off-ramps. Oh my fucking, oh, the roundabouts are so, they just, I don't, how do you do it? How do you, but no, really, honestly, how do you do it? How do you, <laughs> yeah. every day, five days, six days a week? Oh my goodness. Yeah, I just don't even get it. I could not, I couldn't do it. I yeah. couldn't. That's literally you, how people look at parents. That is literally how people will talk to you about having two kids or three kids or four kids. How do you do that? Oh my gosh, I can't, I, I can't even imagine. I mean, my two dogs are so difficult. But I think that's one of the things is we're so programmed to that gratification yeah. and to that selfishness is that people, the, what you, to be a good parent, the first thing you have to know before you even make that baby is you have to know what you're getting into. You have to know my life's over because nothing's more important than that kid. I come second now. I have to make that kid the most important thing in the world and I have to put as much time and energy as I possibly can. And I have to forego, forego some of my fun. If that means I don't get to go drinking as much, if that means I don't get to go party as much, or whatever it may be, I have to give that up because now I have a little life that I'm building. But it's the greatest single undertaking a human being yes. can in, under, un, undergo. Or, yep. Uh, I was going to, I had a word in my head. But that's that's the greatest thing you can do. And guess what? <clears throat> when you're dead, Bill Gates being a billionaire does nothing. When nope. he dies, Steve Jobs. You know what's still here that he made? Apple. But but in reality, the thing because now that's run by whoever and it could go to shit. It could go it could do better. It could be whatever. But the one thing that you leave behind that you truly leave behind is a child, is a family. Is your progeny. It's more than you. It's an extension of you. Yep. And not in a narcissistic manner, but in the, you created a life that is now going to go and, and, and travel, traverse this mortal coil that we live on. And that's a huge responsibility. And you have to be willing to give up whatever it takes to make that a successful endeavor on your part. You have to be willing to do whatever it takes. And that yeah. means effort. That means the little things, too. It means the daily grind. It means... But it's no different than having a car. Because there's little things that go into taking care of it. But you have, to be, you have to be willing to accept that the car is way less important than the person. The, a person. Yes. But because everybody around you... So, like, it's easy to see, too. Because if you go to Amish community or Mormon community, what do they all have? They have lots of kids. But why? Because in their community, kids are important. Kids matter. Yeah. Cars don't fucking matter the same. No. You know, I'm sure Mormon. In the, in I, the Amish community, they literally don't exist. But that's, but, but because they aren't, it's not a stigma. Even yeah. the Mexican community, having a lot of kids, no big deal. It's awesome. Yeah. You have a bunch of kids. You have a bunch of little it's about babies. Family. Family. That's cool. Way yeah. for, way to go. Let's throw a big fucking quinceanera. Let's do big parties. You go to whites or, you know, the, well, if you go, you to, go to American if you go, culture. If you go to the new American postmodern culture, the new world culture, because everywhere in the world, France, it's, Europe, it's Asia, yeah. Yeah. Well, Japan, really, really, it's infected Western civilization. And yes, Japan would even count in that. It's in my you experience. go. Oh, I want to have more kids. They're like, ugh. But you go to a Mormon community, and they're like, oh, that's amazing. You should have as many babies are the most wonderful gift to, yeah. a human can have. They're not going, oh, why would you have another kid? You, now you can't buy that new truck. 
They don't they don't give a fuck. Yeah. And you'll meet a lot of Mormons with nice things, but it's also because they made sure they were they're well enough off and they help each other in their community so they can all succeed. Yeah. So they can have the truck and the house and six kids. Yeah. And none of it's negative. Well, they, they put the effort in that's necessary. Yes. And again, it's not always going to go perfect. And oh I mean, yeah, that's not it. Yeah, and your kids are going to grow it's up. It's more the outlook on the ch- having the children. Well, yeah, so many people in America or in Western civilization go. Yeah. Oh my, God, it's so hard. And I was just, I was thinking about that because somebody at the gym was. Just, yeah. You see, they were like, oh, because they have two kids, and they're super nice, or not. But it's, it was funny. It's funny to me because she always says something about that. Oh, the, about having four. Yes, and it's like well, it's not that. F- it's well, not that I, many well, more. I, re- I well, I, mean, I responded like, "Oh, it's not that hard. It's pretty easy, actually. Whatever." Because to me, it is not hard. Yeah, in the sense of so many, but it's all a perception. Because I was, th- I thought because well, I watched pro- them get in their car and drive away, and it's a big SUV. Yeah. So I was like, oh, no one thinks about that. No one thinks about that silly something as silly as that. Being such a mind fuck if you put your if you put negative energy towards it. Yeah. But we don't. We look at it like it's amazing feat of amazing invention, which it is. Yeah, but we just appreciate it for what it is, and and don't even think about it past that. Yeah, exactly. Whereas with kids, well, and it's really Western culture. You look at the the colleges and the philosophy and the art that we've developed in the last fifty, sixty years, seventy uh-huh. years, and it became very self centered. It became very narcissistic. It became about your feelings. And your expression and your experience is the most is uh, the most important thing. But the traditional value throughout cultures and time is that the family was the foundation. The family was the most important. And really, you look at a lot of cultures, and it's it's family, and it's also country. It's also uh-huh. your society. You look at Roman culture. Roman culture was all about Rome. That was the highest duty. That was your highest goal was to to commit your life to bettering Rome. And one of the ways you did that was with your family. You know, but yeah. we have these we have these objectives, these moral these moral impetuses that drive us forward. And now we've right now we're in a place where the greatest the greatest achievement, the greatest goal is yourself. It's how you feel. It's how you experience things. It's what makes you happy. When you look at divorce and everybody says, well, now I'm happy. But what about your kids? People don't even mention their kids. Oh, yeah, it was hard on them. It was hard on them. It was devastating. Not just that, but it that should have been the first concern. Why didn't you try to work it out? And, of course, there's situations that are just horrific. But that's really not the norm. Irreconcilable differences is two people being too selfish to work together towards a common goal because their priorities are on themselves. They're not on their family. They're not on each other. They're not on the kids at that point. And they might sit, you might sit there and go, Oh, well, you're being really harsh. You're being judgmental. I'm not judging. I know that it's hard. I'm married. I have kids. It's hard. It's a lot of work, but. To sit there and pretend that it's not selfish to walk away from that, to give up, is dishonest. It's a lie. I mean, there's there's days that aren't fun for me. There's times that are difficult. 
bills aren't paid, this, that, and the other thing. Kids are sick. Wife isn't happy. Whatever it may be. But that's all something that we have to deal with and we have to work through. And when you have the priorities, that's when you have the priorities and when your goal is your family and your children and that is your end goal, it makes all the suffering and all the pain and all the difficulty a lot easier to deal with. Because if I was sitting there at the end of the day going, am I really as happy as I could be? And looking at it from the perspective, am I enjoying myself enough? Then I would probably get divorced. Right. Because it's a lot of hard work. But if you sit there and look at it as, how am am I accomplishing my goal of putting food on the table for my If I had a six pack, would I be married? (laughs) No. Exactly. (laughs) But no, seriously though, if, if I'm sitting there and I go, you know, what am I trying to accomplish? And I'm able to say that my goal, which is my kids and my family, are they doing well? And when I say yes, no matter how hard life is, no matter how many hours you work, no matter what, you're going to be happy because you're accomplishing what you're trying to accomplish. You yeah. are succeeding. Yeah. It's not succeeding in it being, uh, do I have a gaggle of hoes on a boat like Dan Bilzerian? No. Oh, yeah. Well, no. look at Dan Bilzerian now. He's got a girlfriend that oh, doesn't yeah. do yeah. shit anymore. Yeah, he's, he's <laughs> conforming to the, you know. If the, you look at his Instagram, it's boring as hell. But that, but but it's true though because that's where you get your fulfillment. It's not doing something for yourself; it's doing something for others. Well, why do you think so many people that are modernists these days go through all the stuff and then at forty still end up? They still end up what getting married and having kids. Why the fuck do you think that is too? So many people want to say, "Oh, it's because they're more experienced." No, it's because at that age they're like, "Oh fuck, it's." I guess I was wrong. I should be doing something different because this is not fulfilling me. Partying, drinking, and being single does not fulfill you. And no matter what age you get to, you still end up going, oh, fuck, I should get married and have kids because guess what's more fulfilling than drinking? Having something that matters. Yes, exactly. The fancy car, the the apartment in downtown New York, it doesn't really matter anymore, does it? Because you're 35 and single and you're like, fuck, my life is boring. And you go and get married, and you move outside of the city, and you have two kids and a husband, you're 42, and you're like, wow, my life's a lot more complete now. Well, you can only have so much, you have a, self-satisfaction only goes so far. It only is so much of a purpose. It only gives you so much to strive for. I mean, think about every every comedian that tells a joke about jerking off, right? That's a self-gratification. And they sit there and they say, don't you, you know. You know how you feel after you jerk off, a little bit sad, a little bit guilty, da 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 That's a form of self-gratification. Why, though, does that feeling come up? That sadness, that, that shame, that emptiness. It's because there's once, you, once you've been gratified, now what? Now what? There's no purpose in it. No. It's nihilistic. It's meaningless at the end. But I think back to the wrapping this up on kids and raising them. <laughs> Whoa, wrapping what up on kids? Wow, <laughs> Saran wrap. Um, no, uh, you know the as far as raising your kids and solving this problem for people because that's what we're doing here. You know, your kid like being consistent, being attentive, 
being balanced and fair, but also being being stern, being firm in the manner that you raise them and paying attention and watching and helping them grow, helping nurture them and helping keep the bad things away and helping the good things come. At the end of the day, the two of the most important things are balance and consistency because that's how you get order. When you're consistent, if you're consistent in the way that you raise them and you're consistent in the way that you punish them and they're consistent in the way that you reward them, you're consistent in the way that you give them attention and that not consistent in not giving them attention, but consistent in the way that you pay attention to them and actually take interest in them and balanced. You can't be a dictator, but you also can't be a free love hippie. Because neither one of those are going to give them the structure or the order that they need to grow into a good person, into a well-developed person, into a person that's able to handle this world, which is a monster that will eat you alive. If you're not self-confident, if you're not, if you don't have a foundation, when you go into the winds of the world, the wind will blow you away. You get swept up into it, whether it's drugs or bad company or bad boyfriends or bad girlfriends or whatever it may be. If you don't give them the strength to be able to withstand that, if they don't have roots in the ground, which is your family, your home life, their raising, their childhood, if those roots aren't there, then you can't expect anything from them when they're adults. You can't expect them to turn into something that you want them to be. And of course, no matter how good a job you do, you may be disappointed by things they do. Or you may be completely disappointed because you can't control it. You can only do your part. And, you know, when it comes to when they're teenagers and you're dealing with drugs and you're dealing with dating, you have to be balanced. You have to be consistent. And what in the hell? Well, sorry. Well, no, what I was going to say is when it comes to drugs or when it comes to dating, right, your job is to be attentive and observant. And to, and to guide them in the way they go. And damn it, you told, I had a great thought going and you killed it with that stupid noise. Obviously it wasn't that great. No, it really was actually. It was one of my best of the night. I, I, I can't believe this gem is lost upon the ether. That's uh, all right. I think we'll live. No, what I was going to say is when it comes to things like dating and and dealing with drugs and other trouble, you know, stealing and these kind of things that your teenagers are going to get into. It's, you have to have, when you get into those older years, I think this is the one last thing I want to tack on because we really talked mostly about when they're younger is come up with a plan. Look at it. If you don't have a plan for a business or for an event or for anything, if you don't come up with some kind of plan, it doesn't have to be completely rigid, but an idea of how you want to handle something, then it's going to be a complete disaster. You start a business with absolutely no plan of how you're going to do it, probably not going to make any money because you didn't have a plan. So plan these kind of things, especially as your children get older. When it comes to dating, come up with a plan. How are we going to handle dating? How are we going to handle curfews? How are we going to handle parties? How are we going to handle these things and then adjust the plan accordingly as you go along but if you are if you are 
if you have gone through the formative years and you've done your work and you've set up an order and you've set a foundation, and then you get to these later years and you go and you change your mind every three days or every time you turn around, it's going to undo some of that early work that you work so hard for, mm-hmm. right? So I think that planning and, and setting up ex- expectations, but also say, because your kids get older, you have less control. When they're little, you tell them yes, no, you guide them. But as they become 15, 16, 17, 18, now they're, now you no longer have that, you don't have that same level of control and they don't respond to you with the same level of deference. Yeah. So if you plan that out, and this is actually one of the things that you've really delved into, it's like dating or something or anything like that is if you come up with a plan and you set up rules. Make a list of rules, post them up, make it transparent, be honest with your child. Here's the rules. This is how this is going to work in our house. Here's the curfews. These are the parties you can go to. These are the parties you can't go to. Here's what you can do. Here's what you cannot do. And you have those rules. Then what you've done is you've set an expectation. So when they don't meet that expectation, they already know that there's going to be a reprimand, a punishment for that. It's not going to be a surprise. Oh, you showed up at 1130. I'm not pleased with that. Well, I didn't know. There was no predetermined. I didn't know. I would, don't come home after that. Or like, yeah, don't go ten o'clock now. Then they come over ten. You know what? I think nine o'clock. <laughs> I think nine o'clock's the optimal time because this is still too late. I need to go to work early in the morning, and I had to sit up and wait for you. If you plan that out, you're going to avoid some of that disappointment. And as you go from those formative years, where there is, you're not going to have to plan as much. It's going to be more you know, go with the flow. But as you get into those older years, I think it's important too to start planning and to start setting rules and expectations that are clearly communicated and consistently upheld. And if there's a change, let them know. Hey, we're changing the curfew time. But that's okay because you've already established these rules that you're able to go with. Now, if you're changing every day, that's kind of messed up because that's inconsistent. You lose that order. But if there's an order, then they know. I violate that. I've broken a rule. And it's going to make it a lot more easy to be attentive too because you're going to be going you one if you have if you have rules, if you have expectations. When they violate it and then they start doing it all the time. Oh, something might be up. Spidey senses, spidey senses, venom's in the room. You know, you're going to be able to go, "Hey, wait a minute, something's off here." What they're consistently acting out, they're consistently pushing the boundaries. They're consistently going away. We need to. We need to address this. We need to spend some time on this. We need to figure this out. And maybe there's something else going on that you don't realize, but that can root it out. That can shed light on it, and it'll make it a lot easier for your kids to trust you too. If you're not dropping the hammer on every time you turn around, you have to be a place of refuge. You have to be a place of safety that they come back to. And even though they know they're going to meet repercussions for bad things, they also know that you're fair and that you're balanced and that you're consistent in the way that you handle them. And that's coming up all their life. But as long as you continue that all the way to the end, to where you go, you're free, birdie, fly. Because at some point, you're going to get to that point where it's time for them to go. And it's time for them to go out into the world. All the work and everything you've done leading up to that moment has been in preparation for that. And you've got to be able to let go. 
but you can't let go and you won't be able to let go if you're not confident that you've done what you need to do. But if you can be confident and you say, you know what? I think they're ready. Their roots are firmly planted. They're well ordered. They might be dumbasses sometime, but they're still, they've got the foundation. They're ready and you let them go. And then you go into being the advisor, you know, the person that gives out advice, the person that gives out guidance when they need it, when they come to you for it. But if you have built, if you've built a nurturing and good relationship with them and you've set and you've also showed them that you can tell them when they're wrong, you can tell them no, then it's going to be a place that they're going to come back to when they feel lost or when they feel scared. Or when they're like, hey, I'm doing great. I want to share my success with you. It's going to be everything. It's going to be all gratifying. But you have to put in the work for 18, 20, 25 years. Mm -hmm. You know, kids are staying home longer. 32 years. (laughs) You're, You're going to have to put that work in daily and be consistent. And it has to be your number one job. It is your ultimate priority. Because eventually, it's going to pay you back in dividends so much greater than any of the toil, any of the heartache, any of the difficulty, any of the frustration that you put into it. It's going to come back when you see your child as a flourishing adult, as a great person, as somebody that knows who they are and stands up for what they believe and does the right thing. Mm -hmm. But you're going to be sorely disappointed if your blue-haired, spiky, gender-fluid son goes on national television and says, my dad's an idiot. He hates me because I don't love God and all that. That is, that, that is not some freak that happened for a reason. Yeah. You know, or some girl that goes "Oh, my dad was an alcoholic and he beat me and it's been hard. And that's why I work on the bunny ranch. You know, not that I'm not saying that's the case for all bunny ranchers, but you know what I mean? Like Chris Rock said, your job is to keep them off the pole. Yeah. Keep them off the pole. And in that nugget, you get a big part of it. Keep them off the pole. Your job is to make them the person they can be. And to let go when you're done. And to let them fly. It's not always going to work out. It's not always going to be great. But if you put the work in and you put yourself second to that goal, to that objective. Uh-huh then I think you can end up with a pretty good result. I agree. Or at least a serviceable one. Or minorly disappointing, somewhat underwhelming one. <laughs> but at least... But overall, <clears throat> it's... Yeah. It's the... It's something that you can kind of live with in a way. Yeah. Where you're not... Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm over this. Just, just, Joe, Joe's enthusiasm has waned. Well, you came up with so many great metaphors. Yeah, I feel I, like we're just going in circles now. That's all. We were, really? I'm just saying, I feel like it's kind of gotten to a point where we're kind of just talking about the same thing over and over and over. I'm going to cut this out of the podcast. I don't care. Bastard. I don't think... I, I, you know... I'm hurt, oh, My name is Rob, and I like to cry. All right, I guess that's pretty much it. For, for last thoughts, Joe. <laughs> what about him? 
Put your babies in Yeti coolers. Close the lid. That's mic's off. Bye. Wait, bye. <laughs> no, you didn't even turn your mic off. I was thought that's what you're trying to get. No, to. I said last thoughts. Do you want to imbue? No, any I, I don't have no other listen. last thoughts. I've said you don't have any no other last what? I've said all I need to say. Show. You have spoken. You have spoken. All right. Shout out time. Shout out time. Shout out time. <laughs> Shout out to all you homeless people out there. Uh, to all the bridge dwellers. Awkward silence ensues. Well, you were talking. uh, Shout out to Sofa King Podcast. Uh, They are, they cover conspiracy theories, cults, serial killers. They're awesome. Um, And they helped us get our podcast going. So check them out, sofakingpodcast.com. And also check out Publitarian Podcast. It's a new podcast that just launched. And it's a guy talking about politics and Trump and all kinds of fun stuff. Um, He's great. You can find him at Publitarian on Instagram and all the social medias and uh, Publitarian Podcast. Just search it in the Googles or on whatever podcast you use. And also, check us out on social media, Instagram and stuff. We uh, look up Blue Eye Mafia. You'll find us. We're the only people that spell our name like that. Um, and we post memes and stuff. And also, give us a iTunes review. That would be super helpful. Joe, could you tell them to do that? They listen to you better. iTunes review, do it. What? What? How many stars? Fourteen. <laughs> All right, Joe. Now, last word. Mic's off. Turn your mic off. Like, get your hand. Mic's off.